the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, Episode 60. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, Sandra. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Yeah? Yes. What's going on in your world? I am... It's, there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Lay it on me. Down, yeah, kids are winding down school this week. Uh, they only go two days next week, which are, um, well, two days that my son will be doing finals, but he's also, you know, having to, I'm helping him make sure that he's on top of all the things he has to turn in because yeah. he's just not quite at a place where he can fly free. Mm-hmm. He's only a freshman, so, um, you know, he needs a little extra support. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah. And then, yeah, Chloe, of course, she's in elementary school, so there's not a lot that she has to deal with. I mean, really, I think they're playing outside every day or watching movies from here on out. <laughs> but I remember I'm those days, her, yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I'm her classes homeroom parent um first time right first time ever as a homeroom parent yeah yeah I did not know that this whole year okay yeah I'm a homeroom parent it hasn't been a lot of work actually this particular teacher I think is the reason why I even volunteered because she's very low maintenance just extremely low maintenance she's a wonderful teacher um so, but yeah, I'm trying to, uh, you know, there's the end of your gift that you have to collect for. And I had sent out several emails and I found out they weren't going out. I just found that out today because I wasn't getting any contributions. And I was like, oh my God, nobody's right. pitching for a gift. And um, then I found out that they weren't actually going out. So I had like a technical snafu and... So anyway, and then, yeah, and then I'm just getting ready. So, you know, and then this weekend is a holiday here, mm-hmm. uh, Memorial Day weekend, and we're going out of town a couple of days. And um, so I'm trying to get all that wrapped up, plus get ready for my workshop on um, the 2nd. So, yeah, yeah, when this airs, that'll be the, um, it'll be this Saturday. Yeah, which yeah, is gonna be amazing. Oh, I can't wait. Right. So there's things I, I know I can't wait too. So there's things that I need to wrap up for just my presentation, but then I'm also uh, the biggest amount of pressure is um, just having something for. We're having a little. There's gonna be a little retail, so I'm trying to, which just means I have to. I've spent been spending a lot of time in my studio. What are you yeah. gonna? What do you? What do you um, envision on your retail table? What do you? What do you bring into the table? Uh, I am bringing some kimonos 
some Excellent. silk kimonos and also some cotton kimonos. I've been working on uh, quite a few cotton kimonos, which is something I've never offered. Um, and I am working on a handful of dresses. And I also have like a, a I'll have a few um, kundalini white inspired pieces as well, which I'm very excited. Oh, I can't wait to I see. I can't wait to get there. I know. I'm so excited. I'm so I know. excited. So it's gonna be here before we know it. It's like a posse. <laughs> it's like the California posse is coming your way. It's um, uh, what did Sasha t- called it? Like we're gonna be surrounded in a golden bubble, and we're coming your way. <laughs> <laughs> She's so cute. So I'm flying out there with Sasha and Natalie on Wednesday night. And we'll be staying through um, Sunday morning. We head out Sunday morning. So I'm really looking forward to seeing you and other ladies. And I hear it's going to be hotter than heck. Yeah, it already is. It already is. <laughs> Bring your bathing suit. I know Natalie's like, have you looked at the weather? I'm like, no, I don't do that. Yeah. I don't. I can't oh, control really? it. <laughs> I can't oh, control yeah. it. So I don't even look at it. She's like, it's at 107. I'm oh, like, oh, wow. I'm like, well, all right. I won't be bringing a sweater. <laughs> it will be 107. I, I just, I don't know. I highly doubt that it'll actually be that warm, but it, it will be warm. So, be warm. yeah, bring um, bring a cool clothing. Mm-hmm. Bring a bathing suit. Mm-hmm. You may just wear that the whole time. Okay, <laughs> good. Awesome, because I love just wearing a bathing suit always. Uh-huh. That's going to be great. <laughs> No, I'm getting excited. I um, I'm getting ready to travel. Even though I, I had my little panic attack on the plane a couple weeks ago, I'm taking a lot of steps and took some advice from you. And um, I scheduled an acupuncturist, which I'm going to see this afternoon. And I'm going back to see the acupuncturist um, the day before I fly. So tomorrow, I guess, would be the day before I fly. Um, and I'm going to uh, see if that helps anything. And I just can't wait do all to the things. hear what, yeah, I can't wait to hear what you think about that. And maybe we should do a future episode about sober travel. Um, oh, that's a great idea. These are all really important things that people, these are things that people, women deal with all, all the time, I think, is flight anxiety, travel anxiety. I hear women talk about yeah. it all the time. Yeah. And, um, you and I were texting and, you know, discussing because we don't have as many options as, uh, as non-sober people mm-hmm. have. Right. Right. I don't, I mean, um, I know that there are things, uh, pharmaceutical options for some people, but I know a lot of sober people don't feel comfortable with those options. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, and no judgment if and no judgment if anybody uses those options, but it, that no judgment. That yeah. is a personal, absolute personal choice. Um, but then a lot of times you don't even know. Like, am I going to get triggered if I take a Xanax or an Ativan or you know? That's what um, I was kind of worried about because my doctor yeah. just immediately prescribed Ativan, and mm-hmm. um. I've received some nice comments from some people, some direct messages on Instagram um, that have shared part of their anxiety travel stories. And um, that might be a good episode. You're right. That might be a good thing to chat about Um, and some tools about um, traveling because I've traveled quite a bit in sobriety. Um, I 
and I, yeah, maybe, yeah, that's, I'm going to, I'm writing that down. That can be a future thing we can chat about. But yeah, I recommend, I recommended the um, acupuncture to you because again, we'll talk about this sometime, but for me, it feels like I've had a Xanax after an acupuncture. <laughs> Okay. Just like a Xanax to me. Perfect. So, and I have actually heard other people say the same thing and it lasts, it'll last, um, for a little while. So good. Well, thank you for the recommendation. I remember that you talked about it in a previous show and I asked you about it and I'm going to, I'm going to give it a whirl, see how it goes. Um, one thing I did want to share before we went into the show is that, um, I am going to see Esther Perel this weekend. Um, now I know I've just said I'm flying to see you in a couple days, but we're recording this early. So I might be confusing everybody right now, but I'm super excited to go see her. And if you don't know who she is, she's a psychotherapist and a best-selling author and she specializes um, in relationships. Yeah. Modern relationships, sexuality. Um, she's done a wonderful Ted talk and that she's teaching a program, at 1440 Multiversity called Radiant Intimacy. And um, it's with a bunch of different teachers. But we're only going, my husband and I, I gifted this to him for our 20-year dating anniversary, and we are going to see her on Saturday night for her talk. And it's just her. Um, and staying down at the at the place, because it's about a two-and-a-half, three-hour drive from us. So we're going to be staying down there for the night. And I'm really excited about it. So I will share more um, after I go. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about this. Yeah, you turn me on to her too. You just, you just, I'm, I'm being open, Sandra, <laughs> to new teachers, right? Mm-hmm. That's how I feel right now. I need some an influx of new, of new things. So acupuncture, Esther Perel, and um, a trip to Austin to see you. That'll be good. That's Not just good you. There's Sarah and all the other ladies too that I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing. So, yeah. Um, do you want to jump into today? Do you have anything else you want to share or details maybe about how people, if they still um, haven't signed okay. up? Yeah. If you still haven't signed up and you're on the fence or, or this is your first time hearing about it, um, I'm co-hosting a workshop in Garfield, Texas, which is right outside of Austin on Saturday, June 2nd from nine to two. We still have many spots available. If you go to my website, vnruffle.com and click on the top bar Um, You can get all the info about it, but it's basically a yoga and creativity and mala making and connection workshop called the Women's Circle. And um, we're really excited. We hope to be able to offer more of these in the future. Yes. Well, I I am excited to go. And you have room for what? You said up to 75 people? That that was that that's too many. No. Too many. Okay. <laughs> After I said but that, do you have room? You have room. And I took. We have plenty of room. Okay. After I said that though, and took Sarah because I was thinking I've seen weddings there, and Sarah, you know, is a yoga teacher. She's like, no, that's no. no <laughs> there's not enough for seventy five mats, but there is. I mean, we have plenty of room. Let's okay. Put it that. Put it that way. Plenty of room. Tickets are still available. Tickets are still available. Good. Okay. Well, I'm looking at the dates of, um, yeah. Okay. Then that's all I'm going to promote to you. Just your, your workshop. Let's, let's do that. Um, and 
I'm sorry. I'm all over the map here. Yesterday was my last day of school. So I feel a little scattered. Like the world Mm. is my oyster right now is kind of how I feel. So I'm like a little bit like, what's next? What's next? Um, But yeah, we want to talk about who our guest is today, I think. Yes. Let's talk about our guest. Yeah, I'm very excited. We are so excited. Um, This is a kind of a special episode, right? Yeah. We are um, so excited to share with you an interview that we had with um, Naka Natha Perkins Campanella. Um, I'm going to read a little bit of her bio, and and we'll talk also about how we discovered Natha. Yeah. But as a child, Natha Campanella remembers being uncomfortably aware of the things that people weren't saying. Although she didn't understand what it meant at the time, the discomfort of feeling the emotions of others pushed her into her own spiritual journey rather early. Yeah, and over the course of this journey, Natha found herself in many different roles, including bartender and party girl, metalsmith and jewelry designer, mother and wife, writer and sober chick. All of these things led her to where she is now. Uh, Capitalizing on her experiences and using her gift for helping people understand themselves, Natha became a life coach and an astrologer. She fell in love with astrology once she realized how powerful it was in helping her get to know herself. Now she gives astrology readings for clients all over the world using this extraordinary tool to help answer their questions and validate their experiences. I love this conversation with her. Yes. This is such a great episode I have to say <laughs> it's yes, really good it really is. and yeah share how we how it so, all synced up so not the yeah so um I think we talk about it also in the interview but Natha uh reached out um to me through my website and um kind of said she had a interesting offering um if you and I would be willing to do our natal charts with her um she thought that it would be an interesting exercise. She had seen uh, markers in charts uh, that could indicate possible uh, addiction and um, or maybe explain reasons why some of us turn to alcohol or drugs. Yeah. Um, And she and she share also shared that she was sober as well. So, I mean, ding, ding, ding. for us to say yes to that. <laughs> yeah, when you sent me the email, I was, that's what I think we shared in the episode. I was like, absolutely, because I am in this open and willing phase. And I, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to have my chart read. I had no idea what that meant. Um, I still kind of didn't while she was doing it, I have to be honest, you know, because she does this really beautiful presentation with you online. So you can see the chart and she's drawing lines and putting things together. Um, but I would highly recommend people check her out, check out what she offers. And if you're into this kind of thing, or even if you're just curious about it, it was, it blew my mind. Yes, it is mind blowing. And she has other offerings too. If you've had a natal chart done before, she has quite a few different offerings that go around like birthdays or relationships. Um, but I just have to say too, that Natha herself is a very lovely person. Mm -hmm. And I have, I have worked with, you know, intuitives and tarot card readers and and I'd never had a proper natal chart done but um Natha is so warm and she just makes you feel so comfortable and she's very good at what she she does oh yeah 
Yeah. yeah. So I'm really excited for our listeners to, to hear this today. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. And if you are interested or have questions or any of that, check out her website, which is, um, my husband told me I didn't have to say this part, but I'm going to say it anyway. www. <laughs> Dot, um, Natha Perkins, which is N-A-T-H-A Perkins.com. And if you want to find her on Instagram, kind of visually um, check her out and see what's, what um, is going on there. It's Natha, N-A-T-H-A underscore Campanella, C-A-M-P-A-N-E-L-L-A underscore astrology. All right. Well, y'all enjoy Natha. We know you will. Hey, Natha. Hi. Good morning, Natha. Hi, it's so nice to be here. We are so happy to have you. I know where we have both been looking forward to this since you sent that email. Oh, <laughs> totally. When Sandra sent it to me, I think I responded in like two seconds flat. I'm like, yeah, I let's think you did. Let's I talk think to I responded back to Natha in, in about five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, we were both like, yeah, this is a uh, hell yes for us. <laughs> yeah, where, sounds fun. <laughs> where are you at in the world, Natha? Where are you located right now? So I am in Boulder, Colorado. Ah. Yeah. I can't, oh, I, I'm going to meet you. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, I'm going to come visit. Yes, I'm going to, I'm going to see. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so we are going to kind of just how we start off the show usually just so that people can get to know you is to share like, um, a little bit about what you do. Let's start there. We normally start off with like, how did you come to the decision to stop drinking? But maybe you can share with our listeners a little bit about your path to what you're doing right now. Yeah. Well, I think I can incorporate both of those okay, good. things into this answer. So I am an astrologer. And I'm also a master life coach. And um, I, you know, for many years, I, you know, I've been very sensitive to being able to read people and being able to just sort of know what's going on with them without speaking to them. And this started for, you know, I was very, very young. And of course, I didn't have the context to be able to know that it was their um, that it was their energy that I was reading. And so I would always take it personally and feel like it was me, that they were upset with me or that they didn't like me. And of course, you know, over the years I grew and, and changed and, you know, eventually I think that this is true with all of us that are really sensitive to the energies of other people. And there are a lot of us out there in the world is that we have to figure out how to work with, with being so porous. And my way of working with it was to um, to drink because it really helped with my social anxiety. I didn't see it as social anxiety back then. I just thought that it helped me be less shy. And, and it also just dulled my perception of other people, which was really nice. And um, so, you know, many years of sort of being that person that would need a few drinks in order to really be my outgoing self. Um, and, and it was fine. It was working. But then when I began to go into life coaching, I realized that I, that I needed to be more clear and that I really wanted to, you know, like <laughs> I realized like, how can I be helping people get clarity when I myself am not clear 
and when I myself am numbing. And so it was sort of a journey. It took me about six years of off and on drinking, trying to quit before I finally was able to just leave it behind for good. And it's been two years. And, you know, I'm so glad that I am where I'm at because of the work that I do with clients. I work one-on-one with clients and I read their astrology and also really sort of incorporate some intuitive guidance for, for them, for their questions. And I think it, like, I need to be clear for that in order to really get the messaging that comes through. Um, and then also like a side benefit is that I am so excited not to be drinking around my kids Mm. because they are entering adolescence. And I just think that it is the best example that I can set for them to be for one clear and present and not hung over. And also just not modeling to them that drinking is, you know, the way to handle life. You know, it must be almost, uh, almost feels like a relief, right? That you get to do this work and you never have to worry about waking up, you know, dreading a session that you're going to have with a client or dreading any sort of experience that you, you know, you may not be able to. I don't know, read someone's chart properly because you're foggy and not feeling very clear headed. I bet that just feels like a big relief that you left that behind. Oh, it feels like such a relief for, for that reason. And also, you know, I feel like it's, it's only fair to, if I'm acting as somewhat of a conduit for the people that I'm working with and, and, you know, a lot of the information that I translate through their astrology comes from my own brain, but a lot of it comes through, you know, what they need to hear. And I'm not always, it's not always my voice. It's not like it's some, you know, crazy spirit voice that's coming through, but it is the guidance that they need. And so, yes, I can rest assured that that is um, clear for them. And also when I have to return emails at night and cause you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm always working. I don't have to, you know, wake up the next morning and realize I've been sloppy in what I've said or, um, or anything like that. And so, yes, all the way around, it just feels like such a relief to, oh my gosh, just to have alcohol and the pull of that alcohol out of my life. I like what you said about being a conduit. That's a beautiful way to put it. Right. Like a conduit or a channel or... Um, I felt that. I felt that when we chatted. Um, when you reached out, Sandra, do you want to tell how she reached out and like how we came together so that she's on the show? I guess we probably should have done that first, but I, I don't want it to get too far ahead because it was so generous and kind. Well, yeah, Natha sent an email um, that said she was a podcast listener and um, it, it it kind of struck her that we might like her to come on the podcast and maybe if she did a natal chart reading for the both of us, she thought that that would be an interesting, make for an interesting conversation. Um, also she, Natha, you had mentioned that you noticed, um, that there were certain astrological markers that sort of set people up or make people more susceptible to use alcohol and drugs and, Gosh, that totally perked my ears as well. And I I forwarded the email to Tammy and said, I, I'm an absolute yes. And I think Tammy 
responded back in about five seconds and it took us about a minute to both say absolutely we would love for you to do our natal charts and I, I don't know if I asked you Tammy hmm. but I had never had a natal chart done I don't know if you had no I've never had okay. anything done no okay I was just wide okay. open that's great well I hadn't either now I have dabbled in astrology I have I want to say that I um I'd never paid for a natal chart. Like I've never like had the had a my my natal chart read back to me. Let's put it that way. Never had my natal chart read back to me. I've done some things online. I've used books before, but it, I think it really takes an expert like you, Natha, to sort of guide someone through what all the symbols mean and on all the houses and the planets. And there's just a lot going on in a natal chart. You really like amazed me. Just. <laughs> Just you like doing it, the logistics of it all just kind of blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big map. <laughs> yeah. No, I had no idea. <laughs> and I told Natha, I'm like, this Virgo is loving this. Oh my god, I could not do what you do on the computer, but I loved the charts and the pages and the, I tried to, I started transcribing our audio conversation yesterday, Natha, so I got partway through that, but just re-listening to it again and, and kind of really hearing what you said and having the time and space to write it all down because there's one thing to have a reading, but to be able to have the ability to go back to it, that's quite a gift of your service, too, is that you give that to the person that you did the reading for to revisit. Yeah, well, because there is so much information, it is hard to absorb it all during the 90 minutes. And, you know, I find for my own readings when I get them that I love to be able to go back because I hear new things that I just didn't even hear the first time. That, that was for me because I'd kept some crude notes, you know, while I was um, on the call with you. But when I went to go retype those last night and there was there was one part, I just was like circled it, <laughs> highlighter pen over and over and over again. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she nailed me. You just nailed me so. I know. I told Tammy. Oh. Like she's been spying on me for eight years. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was um, it was pretty mind blowing. Yeah. And so I, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, it was a completely mind blowing. Um, so I have a couple of like logistical questions and this m may help our listeners too that aren't familiar with with um, some of this terminology. Can you tell us what exactly a natal chart is and how that differentiates from like, I don't know, a horoscope or like a telling of the future? Yeah, yeah. And I'll just give you a little bit of um, a description of what astrology is in general. Yeah. Yes. So astrology is a very ancient art or science, depending on who you're asking. Um, basically, the planets in the sky all represent very specific human archetypes. And all of the houses, so there are planets and houses and signs. Those are sort of the three main um, sort of bones of astrology. So all of those come with a specific archetype. And by looking at your natal chart, which is a map of where all of the planets are in the sky at the time of your birth, we can just really translate um, so many things about your life and about what you came here to learn 
what your relationships look like, um, you know, how you do your career. And it's a really, really big map. The archetypes are huge and vast. And so one of my gifts as an astrologer, and I think that, you know, also my, um, because I do, because I can sort of get into the energy of a person that there are so many different ways that I can translate the planets for somebody, but I always love to get back and forth feedback so that I can say, you know, your, for example, you know, it would appear that your relationship with your father was rather difficult because, you know, perhaps he was, um, you know, you were always trying to live up to his expectations and you just weren't able to, does that resonate? And what I usually get is, oh my God, yes, it totally resonates. Um, And then I can continue to translate. And so, you know, how this differs from a horoscope, a horoscope simply looks at the sun sign and the position of the sun in each day. Um, we We all know our sun signs because the sun travels through a different sign every month. Right now we're in the sign of Taurus. Um, soon to be Gemini. So we all basically know that. And when we're looking at a horoscope, that's what an astrologer would be writing a horoscope about is the position of your, let's say, Taurus sun and how it relates to everything else that's happening right now today. But your natal chart is more like we're looking at, you know, 12 houses, and we're looking at a much bigger map. And there are so many different ways that we can go in and interpret. So, you know, we did for both of you, natal, natal chart and transit readings. You know, if we wanted to do a specific relationship reading or a career reading, we could do that too. Right. And that would be more of like the transit using the transit information. Yeah. So transits for anybody that's not familiar, um, transits have to do with where the planets are in the sky right now and how they are affecting your personal planets and you know, every, every planet comes along and sort of activates different parts of our chart every year. And, you know, we find ourselves going through growth periods or luck periods or periods of expansion. And so that, you know, I always incorporate the transits in every kind of reading that I do because they're always relevant to what's happening right now in your life. But the transit readings would be sort of more current, right? And natal would be more like, this is just your map. This is your blueprint for your, for your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was so powerful. Just that the natal chart portion, which it it was almost like an origin story or, or something. This is your, this is your origin story. And it was so incredibly spot on. Um, I have one more question too. So what is the difference between a signature sign, and then your sun sign? Okay, that's a good question. So I read with signature signs, which means that I look at all of the planets in your chart that are in the elements. So how many fire planets, how many earth planets, how many air planets, how many water planets. And then we look also at cardinal, fixed, and mutable. And those are three ways of being. Cardinal people really start projects and fixed people work on projects and mutable people troubleshoot projects. And so, you know, we can substitute 
the word projects for anything in life. But the signature sign is, um, you know, for example, both both of you have Virgo signature sign, which means that you have the highest amount of Earth planets and the highest amount of mutable planets in your chart. Um, and, you know, let's see, um, Tammy, you have a Virgo sun, but Sandra, you have a Gemini sun. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't, the, the signature sign isn't dependent on your sun sign, but they're both lenses that we can look at, you know, we can look at both of you through the lenses of many different things, in this case, through the Virgo lens. We can say that both of you have, um, you know, you're both observant, organized, analytical, opinionated, detailed. We could also look at you through your sun sign. And in, in Tammy's case, we could say all of those adjectives apply. And in Sandra's case, we could say, you know, your sun sign means in Gemini means that you're talkative and fun and curious and lively. So really, it just depends on it's like if we look at humans as if they're all these we're all these multifaceted diamonds, we can look at all the different facets and and really tell a lot about you. You know, we can interpret all the facets and sort of look at it like it's a cloth and we're sort of interpreting all of it or we can zero in on a single facet. That's a great analogy. So good. I'm just writing yes. that down. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, really good. So the, so earlier when you said um, your personal planet, you'd mentioned that. Is that our, is that our sun sign? Um, so our personal planets are the way that the planets land in our natal charts. Okay. And so the planets are constantly moving. And so depending on the exact time of our birth and the location, we come up with your map, your natal chart. And so all of those planets then get sort of cemented in time mm. as they become your personal planets. So, okay. so it's more than one. It's more than one. It's, it's all of the okay. planets. Yeah. Okay. I only heard just singular and I was like, okay, is that okay? But planets, it's, it's what, what was that day, the day that you were born? So the day and time is what you asked us for when we were born, right? Date, yeah, time day, and location. Exactly. And that's all right, you needed. Because then, because then each planet is it lands in a particular house, correct? And then exactly. that's how you get, that's how you glean that information. Yeah, they land in a particular house in a particular sign, and then they are all in relationship to the other planets. Um, and some of those relationships are difficult ones, and some of those are harmonious ones, and the harmonious relationships bring ease and flow and the difficult relationships become, you know, sort of our life's lessons and our, and our soul evolutionary path. I could listen to you talk forever. No, I'm just like <laughs> sitting here going, Oh, I have to ask questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I love that. I love the language that you apply to all of this too. And the way that you, the way that you speak about it. It really right. speaks to me. I know, me. definitely. Speaking of ease and flow, you, <laughs> the way you deliver um, as, a, as an intuit or a conduit, as you said, is very easy to listen to. Thank um, you. I wanted to circle back just a little bit um, to talk about those um, when you re initially reached out to us and about there were certain 
astrological chart markers that you said that make people more susceptible to using alcohol and drugs to numb. So what can, are you going to share some of those or, are you, or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's just start off with sort of the sign, the planet that rules alcohol and drugs is Neptune. Neptune is also, Neptune is a water sign and Neptune rules Pisces. And this is a sign that is, it sort of speaks to, and we all have Neptune and Pisces in our chart somewhere, but it speaks to the part of ourselves that is um, available to touch into the, the things that are sort of outside of our reality. So we're talking about magic and we're talking about intuition, we're talking about dissociation and, um, and compassion. So spirituality. So it's this whole, it, it's one of the um, paradigms and it's one of the archetypes. So what I have found is that anybody that has a lot of Neptune and Pisces in their chart tends to have this porousness. And you could actually say this to be true for anybody that has a lot of water. And water signs are Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. Because those are the signs that are the most um, available to the energies of other people. Those are the signs that tend to feel the emotions of other people very easily and think that we get really overwhelmed with, uh, you know, just knowing, you know, when we can feel the repressed emotions of other people, we usually think that it's because of us. We usually take their discomfort on as our fault. So people that have a lot of water in their chart might tend to use drugs and alcohol to numb, to get away, to, to sort of make a cushion around themselves as they navigate the world. Now, people that have a lot of earth in their chart as well, and the earth signs are Virgo, Taurus, and Capricorn. And the thing about earth signs are that they are the perfectionists in the chart. You know, they really, they, they are practical, they're deliberate, they're disciplined, they're organized, they're opinionated. And those are all really wonderful qualities. But when we are sort of, um, when we turn that on ourselves, it can get really, really hard. So, it, you know, that would show up as, let's say the voice of our inner critic, this demanding of perfection, this, um, this need to be factual and solid and organized can sometimes, you know, go into being punitive. And so there's another thing that we need to get space from in our own minds. And so, you know, we might turn to drugs and alcohol to numb, to get away from that voice, from that critical litany that is sort of running in the background and you know it's it's not to say that the air signs and that the fire signs aren't also people that could use because it, it's everybody has the you know capability of being able to indulge in drugs and alcohol and really like it and it also when we when i look at a chart and i can look at some of your some of the things that happened in your childhood, some of the ways that you might have experienced your core wounding, your relationship with your family, et cetera. You know, there are always little markers in there that I can pull out and, and sort of um, interpret. But I would say that 
the earth and the water signs are the ones that really need to get the space from the discomfort, you know, the discomfort of other people and the discomfort of our own inner critic. That, yeah, agreed. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I went back when I went back and listened to my, um, my reading, um, and I took some notes, something you said, I wrote down, not that, um, because we established that, you know, I would, I am an observer of details and I always have been and I, I even write about that all the time and <laughs> the fact that you told me that about myself is just like this mind blowing but I wrote down that um, you had said that you know taking in all of the details around me is like a coping mechanism like, you know, if I can take in as much of the environment as I can, I can formulate a proper response. And that's a sort of a defense mechanism. So alcohol was basically a buffer to my own mind, to quiet my own mind. And um, that was just so correct. That was, that is exactly, I, I you know, one of the reasons, but probably one of the main reasons I used alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. You needed to get space from the, um, sort of the constant collecting of details, the constant needing to notice. And, and I think for you that it's, you know, there's this, there's this inherent sense that as long as I can see, as long as I can see what's coming, then I'll be okay. And the only way to see what's coming is to be on hyper alert and always be noticing everything. Right. That's exhausting. It is. A big, yeah, that's a big job. That's yeah. a big job. Um, Natha, you had um, shared with me what um, at the very, I mean, it was like the second thing you said to me or the second paragraph that I typed up here. Of course, I identify with all of the traditional Virgo um, characteristics that you said. Um, but I think what I shared with you and on our call was that sometimes I tried to play that off and, and, and almost like a self-deprecating way, like that they're not, um, okay to be that way. Mm-hmm. And that I've, you know, oh, it's just, I'm so Virgo and, you know, it's just me. Be- and I say that all the time. I identify as a Virgo, but it's almost like it's a bad thing. And after my call with you, I am not going to do that anymore, Natha. I, you told me how Virgo I was and all the, I mean, it was like, no, you're a Virgo through and through. But there was something that you said. You said in times of discomfort, and this made me think about the drinking connection. In times of discomfort, that critical thinking side of you can just turn into critical. And that side of you is trying to manage, excuse me, internal discomfort. It's, I'm going to cry. I cr- I was transcribing this last night. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to stop. (laughs) Um, Because it was so spot on. But you said, let me tear off my glasses. You said, um, if I can just organize everything. Sorry. Well enough. Then I can relax. And things will be okay. Yeah. And that's like so huge right now. And when you said that, especially the day that I talked to you, it just hit. 
in listening to that again last night and typing that up, it just, this reading kind of reinforced a lot of things, like, and gave myself, like, a, a lens to look at my life. And I had no idea that's what I was going to do, Not <laughs> Like, I didn't, I was just wide open to the process with you, because I'm trying to be more open to magic and to spirituality and to listening to my intuition. And um, I'm so glad that I was, because you helped me in a way, especially last week when we talked, that just was really, just really powerful. So thank you. Oh my God, you're so welcome. I mean, that's one of the things that I love so much about astrology is that it is so validating. And I feel like I've really done my job if I am able to help you see yourself in a different way. And if I can help you say, oh my God, that is exactly what I have been doing all of this time and I have not been able to see it quite like that. And then, you know, ideally you're able to take that knowledge and sort of move forward and step into a more powerful place of being. And it's interesting because both of you, um, born, you know, many months apart, both of you have some similar chart markers going on. And, and I'll talk really quickly about what the North and South node means in astrology. The South node is the information that we came in with that we were allowed to keep. And it is our comfort zone. Both of you have a south node in the sign of Virgo, which means that it is your comfort zone to um, be critical thinkers and to really be um, uh, productive and practical and helpful and analyze and, and be of service. That is your comfort zone. That is something that you um, probably got a lot of you know, praise for as a child and that's the fallback and it can get really intense in order to move towards where your soul wants to go. Both of you have a North node in the sign of Pisces, which is, you know, all about checking in with your intuition, you know, really being, um, really capitalizing on your empathy and, and magic and exploring spirituality in whatever way that means. And, there's like a softness and a kindness that, that comes along with Pisces energy. And it's sort of the opposite energy of Virgo. Virgo can be very uptight. And I think that, you know, that's, that's part of the thing is that we learn in this culture that we must be go-getters, we must be achievers, and we must do it this way, but don't be uptight about it. You know, don't be too much. Um, don't be too efficient and too analytical because that's annoying and that's bad. And you know, it's not bad. It's a coping mechanism. And both of you are moving into, you know, can I be more gentle with myself? Can I be more, um, you know, can I be a dreamer and be more mystical and cultivate a real softness and compassion and sort of in, in that process, let some of that rigidity go and, and know to, you know, can I bring the rigidity in when it's appropriate? And then can I bring the softness in with, when it's appropriate? And so I just thought it was really fascinating that both of you had the same, um, like, path that you were trying to walk. Hmm. 
like that. That is so interesting. Yeah. I wrote down that you said that service is my comfort zone, but I want to evolve. So I loved that. Um, I really loved that, actually, because um, that's so true. And I mean, we're all wanting to evolve in some way, right? Um, but I, I loved that you, I don't know, I loved that you said that. I really resonated with that statement. Yeah. Yeah. We all, we all ideally are, are trying to evolve. And I think right. that the listeners are probably in the group that is um, awakening or has, has had a spiritual awakening. And I think that this is the group that is, that can be more intentional about that evolution. Especially yeah. once they know what their path is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You talked. Yeah. You talked about the magic and the um, and the uh, intuition and disassociation and spirituality and um, and for me being the Virgo, I mean, you and I chatted about how I've I've been always a seeker, you know, and I've shared on the show like I've been baptized a few times, always kind of seeking something, but never quite giving myself permission. And talking to you and hearing all of these things that you had to say, um, it gave me permission. It gave me a permission the other day that was like, oh, finally, I don't feel like I have to hide this, you know? And even approaching spirituality, I share with you about how I got a tarot card reading last November. And even doing buying a deck felt pretty subversive to me <laughs> and felt like, this is pretty woo. And even being self-deprecating about it because it didn't feel safe enough to say like that that's what I wanted to do and that I was interested or intrigued. It felt like I was discounting it. Um, I don't know why. I don't know exactly why, but um, you gave me permission. You said that you could go about my spirituality systematically if that made me feel good. And I was like, oh, like, like, I don't, I didn't know I needed your permission for that, not them, but it was a kind of a nice little uh, unlocking of something it was like, okay, that is how I am the list maker. And the, and if I want to do this every day, do a tarot and I want to have a little system for it. That is just who I am. And instead of apologizing for it, I was like, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to, so you gave me for several things that have been coming up just since the few days since I talked to you, I'm like, there's another thing. There's another thing that I do that I I want, I almost like want to hide it because I don't want to let it out that it's really who I am or what I like. And I didn't realize how much I was doing that until I chatted with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, not that like, just as you said in the beginning, how, you know, you are always a person and many of us are that absorb other people's energies. And you always thought of that as something as a, you know, that you had done something wrong or, or you shouldn't be that way. I think that that that's what the whole, that's what I feel like the whole natal chart is about. And kind of what you're saying, Tammy, is that things that maybe we thought were a defect of our character um, is actually something that we can embrace like as that. a quality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that I, I think that along those same lines that. Yes, there are shadow sides of every single sign and planet and house. And the shadow sides are, are what sort of cause us pain and suffering. But there are the light sides as well. And so if we can take, um, you know, Tammy, you were just saying that 
you know, it's like you want to be able to move towards, you know, for example, that North node in Pisces, you want to be able to give yourself permission to move into um, things that are of a more spiritual nature. But we still want to incorporate some of that Virgo, which is saying, hey, do it in a structured way. Be analytical about it. You don't have to accept every single modality that comes across your desk. Some of them are going to seem like um, they make no sense. And those are the things that you let go of. So you can still really use the beautiful um, like discernment that comes along with who you are. And you can use that discernment to really help you cultivate exactly what you want and what works for you and you know and and cultivate your intuition about those things so there's this dance that you can do where you're saying you know i i'm gonna use this and i'm gonna leave this this part behind because it's not serving me anymore that's that's interesting that you say that because there's um there's a phrase in the rooms of aa about take what you want and leave the rest and I know that doesn't resonate with everyone who doesn't drink um, or that even that is not interested in, you know, a 12 step program. But for me, that phrase is kind of one of the, when I first started going, I heard someone say that and I wrote it down. And then the next time I go to a meeting, I hear someone else say it. I'm like, oh, it's a saying. It's a thing they do here. <laughs> Take what you want and leave the rest. And something was very soothing and calming about that for me because it almost felt like I had control. Right. I could take what I want. I can leave the rest of it. I don't know how, because I'd been so, I think as you pointed out, like I'm very factual, fact-based. I want facts. I want to give people credit. I like to, you know, just kind of stay super, yeah, super factual. And um, with that, take what you want, leave the rest is just another interpretation, I think, of what you just said. And I like that. I think that's why I've been drawn to the rooms. I think that's why I, my illusion of control, even though I, I don't, I know I don't truly have control, um, is it makes me feel better to think that like that um I don't have to take it all I don't have to buy what everybody's selling. Well, exactly. And I love that word discernment. In fact, that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite words actually. I just wrote <laughs> because, it down too. <laughs> it's what it really is one of my favorite words because it's true. You know, in the, in the beginning of my what I would call my spiritual journey or you know when I first got sober I've talked about this before but I was a complete sponge and everyone was my teacher but then that slowly I slowly started to trust my voice of discernment and and be able to trust that voice that said no actually that's not for me it's okay if it's for all everybody else or it's if that works for you great but it doesn't work for me and um there's so much power in that yeah i would agree i think that we many of us are conditioned as children to that that we just have to we have to do what our parents say no matter what. And that translates as when we get into being an adult of, you know, I can't discern. I don't know how to discern. I was never taught. I wasn't allowed to. And that's part of what we do as we're on this journey, this path is that we are learning how to, you know, we're we're reparenting ourselves. And I think that something that's, you know, important, a unimportant discernment when it comes to astrology is that you know, there, some of this stuff is fate and destiny. You know, we come in with these 
with this natal chart that says, hey, this is your blueprint of what your life is, is going to be like. Um, but, you know, we also have free will within all of it. So, yeah, we can stay in, you know, for example, we can stay in the shadow side of Virgo. That is our choice. And we can work our chart from the shadow sides of our planets. And some people do. Um, and that's what their soul wants to learn. Their soul wants to learn what it feels like. You know, for example, if we talked about somebody that, that lands in prison for life, um, we might see in their chart that one of the things that they're working on is um, learning about being in captivity versus freedom. And so, you know, we all have these different places that we can work our charts from. And I think that most of us here are like, oh my God, I want to work it from the light side, please. And it's a journey. We have to learn how to do that. And I think that's what you guys are both describing is that you're, it's like one small step after the other, but, but you're doing it. You're learning what, what's working and what's not working. And then, you know, leaving, leaving the baggage behind. Hey, Unruffled listeners, Tammy here. Just popping in mid-show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. If you like what you've been hearing, we're asking for a donation of just $1 per episode, $4 a month. To donate, please go to www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it. I think, I think, um, this intuition part that, that you've talked about a little bit here, and then I've been chatting with other women and Sandra talks about intuition a lot. Um, it's interesting because when I first heard Sandra on a podcast, there was this overwhelming feeling. I've joked and said like I was stalking her, but there was this thing <laughs> that I knew I wanted to be friends with her and, um, and not just kind of superficial friends. Like I wanted to be, I wanted her as a friend. I knew that in sobriety that I wanted to have someone like her in my life and not just someone like her. I wanted her. And so <laughs> it didn't freak her out too much. But, um, but my intuition, I can look at that now and say my intuition was when, when Sandra's story resonated with me, it was deep. And I felt like I had found another person who kind of had a similar experience and not, and then we don't have, you know, the same stories, but there was these markers that I knew that she was, um, I just loved the sound of her voice and the way she talked and described things. And I could just feel like the type of person that she was. I don't think I could my intuition wasn't always my friend, um, or it wasn't present, maybe is a better way to put it, when I was drinking. Because if it came up, I know I just kind of squashed it, you know, by drinking more. And um, it's interesting in sobriety how it's like, I can hear it now. And that I couldn't really, I couldn't really hear that before. Has that changed for you since you've stopped drinking? Do you, do things perk up for you in a different way now? Or... How do you follow oh. yours? <laughs> yes. I <laughs> yeah. have found that I have my whole, I mean, I have, I've let go of so many friends mm. and I've let go of so many social activities. And that's because I realized that I have to, I have to honor myself. I'm no longer as concerned with honoring other people. And, and I mean, I guess honor isn't quite the word. But I was very much a people pleaser. 
very much somebody that would put myself second if it meant making somebody happy. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, that in and of itself was causing me probably the most trouble in my life. You know, I, I had a moment when I was about 35 where I thought if I don't, if I don't start doing this work, I am going to, um, I feel like I'm going to develop an autoimmune disease. I just felt my whole, there was so much anxiety in my body because I was constantly trying to show up for other people and constantly saying yes when what I meant was no. Hmm. And so that has been one of the biggest pieces of transformation for me in, um, in stopping drinking is that I just simply don't have that voice that's pushing me to go to parties and to go out to dinner and to, you know, show up to go help somebody move. And it's like, yeah, I feel sort of like I'm an antisocial kind of crab apple sometimes, but oh my God, it's so freeing. It's like, I've gotten to take my mask off. I think that's, that's it. And right. People- it's like you stay in, you're staying in integrity with yourself now when yeah. before you were stepping outside of it all the time to the point that I was just like, I could feel my adrenals, you know, like seizing up and and I was having physical issues. And I think that's, you know, that's another um, thing that we can look at in astrology as your whole relationship to your physical body. And, you know, if you are not paying attention to that and you are, you know, sort of living in the shadowy sides of, of things. It's like that, that will take you down. Well, I think that's a great example of what you were just talking about, about what's inherent in your natal chart and the shadow side versus your own free will. So in your example, I mean, obviously I'm sure you know your own astrological natal chart very well is, was people pleasing something that was present there. And then do you feel like with free will you've brought about a change in your life? Yeah, people pleasing because you know, I have a lot of I have a lot of Pisces in my chart too. And so my experience as a child was that um if I said no, then it would upset my parents. And when they were upset, I could feel it. And it was so uncomfortable to feel their upset that I felt myself scrambling. I would do anything to avoid them being upset with me. And that just translated out into my life where I wasn't able to speak my truth because I was too worried about upsetting people. And yeah, becoming sober, you know, it's, (laughs) I just had to really, really face so many of my shadow sides and so much of my own baggage. And I think that I probably talked with both of you at some point in your charts about this is that there's a, there's a big um, emphasis for all of us on owning our baggage and on not being a victim. It's very easy. And, and we get a lot of accolades in this society for being a victim, but to say, hey, this is what I'm bringing to the table, you know? And so in my case saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm the one that's crossing my own boundaries here. I'm the one that does everything for everybody to try to please them. And that's my problem. It's not, 
you know, they take when I'm giving and it's not their fault. It's my, it's my deal. And, and getting sober really forced me to look at that and really let me oh, see how much discomfort I had that I was numbing. And once I became aware of that discomfort, I could really work with it instead of just continuing to shove it down into my organs, which were then sort of developing, you know, weird physical symptoms and, Mm -hmm. you know. Right. Because, yeah, that's where it goes. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about, and you probably mentioned this when you were looking at um, Tammy's transit charts, but you said something about... um, there was like a period of like awakening or something that, that everyone goes through and it's at a certain, was there like a certain age marker or was it, uh, did, didn't you say it was like around 41 or 42? And I guess my question is, is, does that, is that universal? Is that for everyone? Yeah, that's a great question. So we all have transits that are we, what we call lifetime transits, life cycle transits. And they hit us, um, for example, there's one called a Saturn return, and that hits us all at around 29 or 30. And that is where we really have to sort of, it's our, it's our threshold into becoming an adult. And that is a transit where we really have to come into relationship with our own sense of authority. And oftentimes that looks like, um, Sometimes we get married. Sometimes we yeah, have a baby. Me, sometimes, hi, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a big, it's a huge life shift is usually what happens around that. Now, what you were asking about is um, we all have a series of very important transits that happen around 41, 42, 43. Um, wow. And, and we also have a very intense trans- transit that happens around 37. Now, you know, I think that if we all looked back at some of those time periods, we could correlate and say, oh, my God, yes. So what's happening in um, the 41, 42, 43 is that, yes, for one, we're having a Neptune transit, which is a big spiritual awakening. That's the transit where we sort of look around and we say we have, oh, we've done all of these things. You know, maybe we've been married and we've had children and we've had career and, and, you know, surely there's something else out there. And that's when many of us start to turn towards spirituality and our relationship with source energy. Um, and, you know, we also have a Uranus opposition, which is sort of that, we could call it a midlife, a midlife crisis transit, but that's sort of a little bit of a frightening way to say it, but it's the looking back and saying, have we accomplished what we thought we wanted to, you know, we like to call it the midlife solution around here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the midlife solution. Mm-hmm. I like that. I'm going to feel that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, and of course there are many more, but, but we can look at it like there are thresholds where we have this, um, Oh, it's like we have this fire that we get to walk across. And the beautiful thing is that oh my God, we come out the other end so much stronger and so much more capable. That all rings true. That all rings true. Is there another one that to look forward to? Does it happen again in a lifetime? Um, yeah, so there's the, um, there's the Chiron return, 
which happens around 59. Um, I'm sorry, that happens around 50. And that is a really beautiful transit. You know, Chiron is the wounded healer. And we get the opportunity to really heal some, oh, some, wow. some deep wounding that maybe we've um, touched on before, but it's sort of like an onion that we get to peel. And then we have a second Saturn return that happens um, around age 60. And again, that is, again, coming into even being more of an authority and really being an elder in the world. And so there's all of these, you know, there's all of these thresholds that we're kind of constantly being asked to to summit and and work the processes. I like knowing all of that, though. Yeah. It's a really beautiful way to look at getting older, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that so much. So, Natha, I wanted to ask you, how old are you? I am 43. You're 43? Oh, okay, you're right there. Yeah, you're... so I'm, like, right in the thick of <laughs> some of these transits, and I am feeling them. <laughs> yeah. So you quit drinking. You shared with me January 3rd, right? Yep. 2016? Yep. Okay. So that was right. You were 41-ish? Yep. Yeah. I was 43 yeah. when I started investigating my path. Um, I wouldn't stop drinking till I was 44. But yeah, that was there was something going on that I knew I was seeking something. Something wasn't working anymore. You know, things weren't working anymore the way I was doing them. It was definitely. How old were you, Sandra? Um, 44? What am I? 44. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Or, yeah. Yeah. I'm always a little bit of a late bloomer, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is this is so fascinating to me. I haven't. It I... is fascinating. <laughs> and I know our listeners are just going to love this conversation. Oh yeah. Um, let's see. I was gonna. I, I have not looked at my notes. I've been taking notes the whole time, so I'm a little <laughs> bit. Um, but that's good. I wanted to follow my intuition with this interview. I was very like before we started. I was like I had a few questions, but I knew that it was just gonna kind of go where it was gonna go. And that was going to be all right. And um, then I have a question. So, Natha, I'm assuming that you probably have an astrologer or a coach. Like, is that, do you, are you seeking, how do you, um, what am I trying to ask? How do you reconcile both of the things, like providing, um, uh, as a being a guide for other people and then all also being a seeker yourself. Yeah. Do you have people that you look to or people that are mentors to you? Yeah, definitely. I, um, I have worked with some really amazing astrologers over the years, but I was lucky enough to get accepted into an apprenticeship with, um, a woman who has been doing astrology in California for many years and she, she really taught me so much of, of what I know. And so oftentimes I will ask her to interpret different things. Um, and her name is Jamie Kale Miller, and she's just an amazing astrologer. And she, she sees things, you know, differently than I do, which I think is what I need. Mm, it, you know, yeah. because I'm in my own chart all the time. Right. I'm always saying, oh my God, what is happening? And because I'm in the thick of so many intense transits right now myself, I, you know, I, I'm definitely like all over my natal chart, but 
of course, you know, as, as we all know, we, we only know what we know. And I feel like sometimes I, um, <laughs> you know, I have, I, I want certain answers. And so I'm not the most objective when it comes to translating my own chart, but yes, I, I get the help of other people to help me. And, you know, what Jamie always says is that anybody that is a student of astrology would do very well to learn their own chart as um, intimately as possible, because it's in that, that you can really gain a lot of knowledge to help other people. Mm. Um, you know, it's like, I can, I can empathize with what it feels like to have all of these different archetypes swirling around in my own experience. And therefore I think it, it makes me a better translator for other people. Yeah. I wanted to ask, um, I know we touched on this at the top of the show, but just hearing what you said about, um, I'm going to paraphrase just some with language that I use, but your part in things, like looking at, at what your part was in things. Have you, have you done any kind of recovery modality or did you just stop drinking and you just decided like that was no longer for you? Um, yeah, so I have not done any kind of recovery modality, so to speak, but I have, um, there's quite a bit of addiction that runs in my family. And so I, and, and a family member that is in NA. And so I'm really aware of some of the really beautiful parts of that process. You know, I think for me, I've done quite a bit of inner work and I was actually in a school for about six years where we, um, it's called the Ridwan school. And we, just really did intense self-examination. And, and so I think that, you know, what works for me is that is just that being as aware as possible of my own process and, and really reality checking and being aware of when my inner critic is barking at me and when I'm being manipulative because, you know, I see all of these different parts of myself. And, you know, I think that's been the, the biggest thing for me is, oh my gosh, just being honest about my imperfections without being mean. You know, I don't want to be mean yeah. to myself. That's not the point. But I have to say, you know, I have to call myself on it. You know, oh, you're, you're, you're checking out. Oh, you're dissociating. What do you not want to deal with? You know, oh, you're being very, <laughs> you're being very passive aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. Well, so what I find interesting, just chatting with you and hearing you today, and then I have a few other friends that, um, you know, they don't, they've just decided to quit drinking, you know, that's just was not serving them. And I guess I admire it because I, being who I am, right, I, I told you that those, the 12 steps resonated with me because it was like a list, right? It's like a guide, and for my personality, that was something that I was like drawn to that, that, okay, here's a map. Here's a map of how this is done. Now, it doesn't tell you everybody's different that does that. But you and, and two other friends in particular that I'm thinking of, your spiritual awakening, your self-examination, and you telling the truth. Sometimes when I talk to people who don't go through a, a formal recovery program, it's like, you guys have it. You, your intuition, you already know you're saying things that really resonate with what I've learned. I had to learn it a different way, whereas it was just in you. 
And I find that very fascinating that, that like your self-examination and you've seen what is my part in all of this, you know, that you could look at that in a way without having to be pointed. Like I had to be pointed and be like, there, you need to go examine that <laughs> because I just needed it. I was too clouded or I, or I, I couldn't find my way. It's different now, you know, that I'm a little over three years sober. I feel differently. I feel like I can access those parts, but I love hearing you. I love hearing you talk about how you got there and, and you didn't need that. You, you listen and obviously you're an intuitive. So it's just like, you just, I don't know. I, it's very foreign to me to listen to myself, I guess. And so I like that part of your story. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it was a big work in progress for me. It took me, like I said, you know, I decided probably six or seven years before I formally quit drinking that I was ready to quit drinking. And it took a lot of practice. Mm. I had to, you know, I would, I would be very systematic, right? So I would say, okay, I'm only drinking on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, or I'm not going to drink for the whole month of February. And I had to like keep dipping my toe in. And what would happen is that every time that I would start drinking again, it was just like the pain and suffering of that. Um, it just finally got to be too much, you know? And I, and I, for me, one of the ways that I quit doing things is that I just have to quit and, and know in my heart that there's no breaking the seal. Cause the minute that the seal is broken, then it's like, Oh, I'll just have one glass tonight. And then, you know, three months later, I'm drinking wine every single night again. And it was, you know, I mean, once I quit drinking, my whole life turned upside down. I, um, you know, I went through a divorce and, uh, you know, had to, you know, it was very vagabond for about a year in my places that I was living. And it was, it was a hot mess. It really was. But on the other hand, I was doing it sober hmm. and, you know, my life had to change to support not drinking because I couldn't be married to somebody anymore that was drinking. And I, um, you know, I just had to get it together in, in many ways. And I'm so glad, you know, I'm kind of past that hump now. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I've moved on to other problems now, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that we all go about it in different ways, but ideally we end up sort of in the same place, which is just sheer relief of like, Oh my God, I'm so glad that's not a part of my life anymore. I love that you shared that. And I think that that is so important. Um, I, you know, we share so many, so many women's stories here. And so, and many of us had a, you know, rock bottom moment, or we had things that we could describe as a real problem with alcohol. Like it actually became a problem. And when you, when we do hear other women that say, you know, i you know, like you not doing a recovery modality and you just quit, but still it wasn't easy. There was still lots of work that you had to do to get there. It's all work. And, um, it all takes, uh, a certain amount of commitment and, um, and yeah, just showing up every day and doing that work it, you know, and, and, um, that you shared, you know, going you went through a divorce it's like you know that's another example too of it all of your problems don't just go away either when you when you 
when you quit drinking alcohol. There's a lot, a lot of things to address. Well, I mean, let's talk about all of the things that we've been repressing for as many years as we've right. been drinking. Because I feel right. like what happens is all of those things sort of come up like I envision it like it's a classroom full of kids and everyone's raising their hand saying oh you're ready to pay attention to me now (laughs) I want your attention and yeah yeah like you said it wasn't that I had a rock bottom because I you know I was I was the person that was you know just a few glasses of wine each night but a few glasses of wine each night like that is a hangover every morning Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that is um you know, enough to numb and to not be really paying attention to what's really going on. And so, yeah, when I quit, it was, (laughs) like you said, it was a lot of work, but so very worth it. Did you have physical, you mentioned earlier about physical symptoms. Did you get up in the middle of the night or did you have anxiety or heart racing or anything like that towards the end? Well, I just, I've always been... Yeah. I mean, I've always been prone to anxiety. Hmm. And so, yes, I think that the drinking, you know, the drinking, what it would do is it would completely distract me because I would wake up in the morning and feel, you know, I'd have a headache and I'd feel kind of um, just gross and grumpy. And so that was a distraction, you know, focusing on trying to feel better, trying to drink coffee and get back to normal. And then you know, starting around three, it was like, oh, you know, should I drink tonight? Should I not drink tonight? That was a distraction. And then around five or six, of course, the decision was to drink. And then, you know, I had some free hours from the anxiety then. And then the headache would sort of kick in right before I went to bed. And it was just this cycle Mm -hmm, of, you know, just avoiding. Mm -hmm. And disappointment. And disappointment. And then feeling like, oh, I... I think we all know it's like that we wake up in the morning and we think, oh, I'm never drinking again. Mm-hmm. And then we end up drinking and it's like, oh, God, you know, I have no self-will. I have no self-control and I'm just such a bad person. And yeah, it's very much like Groundhog Day, right? Yeah. Right. And just we keep living it over. And oh, I hate that movie. I could never watch that movie. It drove me nuts. <laughs> it drove me nuts. But then I was living it. You know what I mean? Like it just every morning, just exactly what you described, you know, just kind of that. And, and it, it wasn't like all of my drinking, my history of my drinking wasn't like I got rip roaring drunk every single night. Um, I did do that a lot towards the end. I blacked out. I was a blackout drinker. Um, definitely the last six months, year of my, of my drinking. Um, but before that, yeah, having a few glasses of wine a night, two, three, I mean, I owned a wine bar, so I thought like, this is just part of my job. It's what I do. Um, but I didn't realize how good I could feel, (laughs) you know, until I quit drinking. I went on an elimination diet and quit drinking, Natha. So those eight weeks were like, I had become a whole new person. I couldn't even believe it. So to, so for you to wake up the day after your first day, you know, it doesn't really necessarily kick in maybe that first day, but after a few weeks, like, did you feel like you were really being reborn? I mean, it was beginning of the year, you know, you're kind of making this decision, How did that feel? Um, Well, I have to say, so I think I shared this with you on our um, reading that I also started an elimination diet at the same time that I stopped drinking alcohol. And so I was doing corn, wheat, sugar, alcohol, 
And I was a raging bitch for probably the first three months. I was horrible. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't see any, any changes. Mm. I was totally miserable. I was barking at everybody in my family. And it was, it's like every repressed thing wanted to come up and out of my body. Yeah. Um, but after that passed, then the clarity settled. And it was like, that's when I knew and I had to, I could really see clearly the specific things in my life that were going to have to change. And it was terrifying, mm. um, especially terrifying because I had to do it sober Yeah, and I didn't have anything to numb me, but because I was sober, everything, the, the, uh, the things that needed to change were just so blatant. You could see it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Oh, I'm sorry, Thunder. I was just going to say yeah. the elimination part. It's like, um, yeah. I, I want to be, I should be more transparent. I was put on this elimination diet, Natha, and I, she asked if I'd remove alcohol first. So that would last the longest, the eight weeks, right? You do that the whole eight weeks. And then wheat. And by the time I got to wheat, I could no way do sugar or dairy. I was barely hanging on to the, I don't want to make it sound like it was just this blissful thing. I knew I was struggling so hard with removing alcohol that I knew I couldn't do the other things Mm -hmm. that I knew that alcohol was a big problem and that I didn't need to wait to get to the sugar to eliminate like what was going on with my body. I knew it was the alcohol. So, um, but waking up without a hangover, I always say this, I think everybody in sobriety, like it never gets old, just never, ever, ever gets old. And, um, Annie Grace had a great quote that I always kind of quote and I, cause I loved it so much. She talked about the mental anguish of moderation and that's what it sounded like when you're saying, like, when you're trying to, I'm not going to drink today, and I'm going to do this differently, and then five o'clock rolls around. It's like that moderation kind of is this, ma- it's like a madness, you yeah. know? It doesn't serve us um, trying to moderate. People who, who you know, really want to remove this from their lives, it doesn't serve us. Um, yeah, it's, it's too much work. Yeah. I liken it to procrastination. Yeah. It's the same kind of feeling it takes up in my brain. Um if I would just handle stuff, it would be done. Right. And then I wouldn't have to think about it anymore, but it's like, kind of like moderation. I was trying to drink a drink or two or trying to say, I'll have a water in between each glass of wine and that'll fix things. And it's just a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of work. Well, I'm glad you got that clarity, you know, and I even think I was going to ask you, do you, I look affectionately back now at that first year. It was really hard. (laughs) Even the second year, I, I wrote about it for two years, but it's like, it's like a really beautiful thing to look at when you kind of have been reborn and that you are starting this beautiful new chapter of your life. And, um, I just think that with the work that you do and how you serve, you're of service to others so much. Do you feel, I mean, is that, does that resonate? Like, do you feel reborn? Oh, I do. I mean, I just feel, I mean, like I said, my whole entire life has changed. Um, you know, I live in a different house and I am remarried to somebody who has never used drugs or alcohol just because it was never of interest to him. And, you know, that was one of the things that became very clear to me was that I needed to have a partner that was on the same path. Mm. Um, and, and it helps me stay on this path. There's like no temptation because if I have to sit across from my partner and watch them drink, 
it's really gonna, um, first of all, it's going to piss me off and (laughs) I'll have my sort of passive aggressive things happening. But second of all, it would just make it too tempting. So I am forever grateful that my life looks the way that it looks now because it is such a support to helping me be more present with my girls who are um, 12 and 14. Like they're, Mm, they're, I'm in like this, you know, I'm like two thirds of the way through of Mm -hmm. parenting with kids that are living with me. And I really want to be here and be present for them. And I really want to be present for my clients. And also because, you know, on a sort of mundane level, astrology is such a huge map. And to be able to really get all of the information and store it away and have it easily accessed, I just can't be, I can't be foggy. I, you know, I watch people on TV shows drinking, making these like, you know, big decisions. And it's like, how? Mm-mm. Yeah. You know, how is that even possible? Yeah. Oh, not so that. good. Thank you so, so much. This yes, has been I enlightening. Have, it's so enlightening. I have one quick question actually for you, Tammy. Oh, yes. What was the most surprising thing that Natha revealed to you in your Oh, hold on. Let me look at my notes. So there's a lot. <laughs> so uh, much, right? There was one thing. It could be like super poignant. It could just be one little thing that you went, oh, how did you know that? <laughs> um, how did you know that? Well, we, she did a, is it a relationship transit that you did for me, Natha? Is that what that's called? Yeah. Um, there was some, uh, two surprising things in there, but the, I'll just say the most, res- the most surprising was that, um, I've just have cryptic notes here, so maybe Natha can help me. I talked about, um, the rules, rules of Jupiter in the 12th house through 2019 opportunities to grow and it ru- Jupiter rules publishing. Mm-hmm. And I had previously thought about writing a book with my husband and, me writing a chapter, him writing a chapter, me writing a chapter about this journey of me getting sober and what that was like for him. And I've never really said that out loud too much. And I've talked to Steve about it a little. And um, when she when she said that, the you know, that was in my relationship house and I told her, I said, I've always wanted to write about it. And um, maybe that will be someday. I don't know. That but that was like so a surprising cool. thing. Yeah, that is so cool. I love it. What about you? What was the most surprising thing for you? You know, there were, uh, again, so (laughs) many things. But one weird little thing stands out to me. Natha, you may not even remember even saying this, but um, she said to me that it looked like in a past life, one of my past lives, that I was perhaps a lawyer. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Really? Yes. I love it. I had I so I think I told you this Nava I can't I can't remember actually but when I was in college so I I was undecided for a, a a while like I went to school for a year I mean I went up until the time where they like forced you to choose a major and um but the first time I took a uh, constitutional law class I weirdly obsessively loved it like <laughs> I didn't even recognize the person I was. It was like, who is this person that is in love with constitutional law? I ended up taking constitutional law too. Like I absolutely freakily loved it and like could have stayed in that section in the library 
for for days. Unfortunately, I really majored in alcohol partying. But, <laughs> <laughs> but for a minute, I considered even going to law school. It was so, mm. and that was so out of the uh, out of character for me at that particular time. I had no lawyers in my family whatsoever you know like no no one was interested in that as a career and anywhere around me and my family so it was anyway it was totally out of the blue and so when she said that I'm, I'm gonna pick my jaw up off the floor <laughs> what that's so weird oh that's funny oh I love both of um, oh, you, you, you did say that um, under, okay, here's, I have one more because this one was really, I, this is what I should have said, but I shared the other thing. Um, I'm just looking at it now that you said that um, in my lifetime, there's a very large capacity to see things that are bigger than me, outside of me, and that I had some psych- real psychic abilities. That kind of, when you said that, Natha, I was like, I couldn't believe it. I wanted to reject that. And then you elaborated more and just said that when I was younger, that probably wasn't okay with my family. And so what I learned to do instead was to get smaller and work on being really efficient and showing up and being helpful. Um, So the surprise part was the psychic part and the other part kind of balanced it out with like, yeah, that is, I think very much um, what happened. And so I wanted to look into that a little bit more, listen to myself a little bit more in that area. So I just love what you do, Natha. Oh, so I mean, really, I could we could go on and on. I think both of us <laughs> different things that you pointed out in each of our charts. We'll have to have our own personal conversations about it because we haven't really shared with no, each other. We didn't what we what we learned. So okay, I have before we're gonna do three things. But I have one final question for Natha. Okay, what's your sign, Natha? <laughs> so so I have a Taurus sun. Okay. And I am Capricorn rising. Right. And I have a Pisces moon. Okay. And so the moon, the sun, and the rising are sort of three of the primaries that we that we would look at. Of course, all of the other planets are major players as well. Mm-hmm. But um, but those are sort of the three that I can say that people might recognize. I like um, it. Yeah. I just felt like we had to ask you that. We're doing this whole thing. <laughs> um okay so this is the part of the show where we um kind of share our three things in our unruffled toolbox and something that kind of helps us get through the week or month or day um things that are helpful they don't have to be tangible things it can be thoughts and ideas so we were just wondering what was in yours that you could share with our listeners today okay yeah um so you know i think definitely this idea of giving myself permission to leave or to say no mm. is a big one for me. You know, if I show up somewhere and the energy is stressing me out, it's okay to make an excuse and leave. And it's also okay to say no to a request from somebody. Um, and that's been a huge piece of my work. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another one is the practice of checking in with my body and really letting my body be my barometer. So, you know, what I always tell my clients and and what I practice on myself is if I check in and I'm feeling contraction or stress or anxiety or agitation, then the answer is a no. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And if I check in and I'm feeling excitement and exhilaration or relaxation, then the answer is a yes. Like and that, that, yeah, I mean, that helps keep, you know, we're, we let our minds decide and our minds tell us stories about the shoulds and, and the, um, you know, what we, what we should be doing. And our body is really the, the one that tells us the truth. Right. You're so right about that because it's like our ego lives in our mind and, and it wants to make sure everybody's happy with us. Yep. It wants to control. Yeah. Oh, that's good. (laughs) And I think the third thing is to really practice allowing myself to feel what's there. And that means feeling the fear that's there, feeling agitation or annoyance. That's sort of what I tend towards is, you know, being more anxiety prone as opposed as opposed to depression prone, I am doing fear and anger. Um, whereas somebody that's more depression prone could be feeling sadness or grief. But you know, allowing myself to just feel it while it's there, instead of trying to distract myself from it or numb it, because when I allow myself to feel it, it it really lasts like sometimes even a matter of seconds, and then it's gone, and then I've moved on to something else. Whereas if I'm numbing and I'm repressing and trying to keep it down, it's like, it's just there. It's just hanging out in the background. It's going to show up again. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Bigger and badder or whatever. Oh, those are great Mm -hmm. ones. Thank you so much. Very good. So much. So how can people work with you, Natha? How can they find you? And, um, you know, are there some services that you want to kind of highlight here? Like what you did for us? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So what I did for both of you was a natal and transit reading. And that's really the best thing for a first time reading. Um, But like I said, I have other options on my website for career readings and relationship readings for um, solar return readings, which are great to have right around your birthday. So hello. Birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And that, yeah. And I mean, that, that helps us look at some of the things for your upcoming year. Beside transits, transits also help us look at the present and some, somewhat of what will happen in the next few months, but a solar return focuses on your year ahead. So lots of different options. And you can find me at my website, and that's nathacampanella.com. I'm also on Instagram all the time at um, nathacampanellaastrology, and there are some underscores in there, but you can find me if you just put in nathacampanellaastrology. And I'm on Facebook too, but I Instagram is sort of my favorite. I, it's more interactive, and it's just a little bit more accessible. Agreed. Agreed. I've been sending your page to a few of my friends and, and a couple ladies that are coming on the show. I've been sending it to them as well that are into it. Our friend oh, Amy cool. Newman. I knew she would love um, Natha's site. And um, yeah, so I hope I hope that everybody checks out your website, which, okay, I'm, I'm going to make this. I'm never going to end this interview. Your logo, your artwork for your website, your design. I'm in love with it. Oh, did you make that? You. Did someone do that for you? Yeah, I had somebody whip it up for me. It's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Just really speaks to me. I love circles so much. So it was a really, it's a very beautiful, um, beautiful design. Actually, one more clarification. Your website is 
Campanella or not the Perkins? Or does it both go to the same place? You know what? It both goes to the same place. And Got so it. for so many years, my professional name was Natha Perkins. And then I changed it to Natha Perkins Campanella. And so I have it set up online so that you can find me um, using any combination thereof. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, Nathan. Thank you for our readings and for reaching out to us yes, and for thank sharing you so much. Yeah, all of your knowledge with our listeners. We really appreciate it. So yeah, nice. you guys were just so pleasurable, both of you. Hmm. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was it was a quite the treat. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we will chat with you soon. All right. Bye. Thank you guys. Okay. Bye, Nathan. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening. Hello, Unruffled listeners. So we have produced a year's worth of content and have approximately 125,000 downloads to date. We can hardly believe it. We would like to give you, our listeners, the opportunity to help us continue to put out quality, meaningful content, but we have a big ask. We are both mothers and creative soulmates. We are multi-passionate and have many projects going on at once and feel like this is the right time to ask for some support. We talk a lot on our show about valuing your creative work and it's time we walk our talk. This is where you come in. So we've set up a Patreon account and your generous Patreon donations will help us to pay for hosting fees, better equipment, and assist us in our dedication to keep showing up here every week. In the future, we hope to take our show on the road and offer creative workshops in select cities across the United States, maybe even interview a few of our guests in person. In order to make any of this happen, we foresee the need to generate some revenue from the show. We believe that our listeners want to support us, so we're hoping that you can help us make these dreams become a reality. Our ask isn't huge. We're some sensible girls, right? We're really just asking for a dollar pledge per episode. That's $4 a month, less than a large decaf vanilla latte from Starbucks. A total steal, if you ask me. We'd love to offer some perks in the future, but first we need to get this campaign off the ground. We can circle back and check with you all later in the year to see what, if any, perks sound good to you. And we're just so grateful for our listeners, and we hope that we continue to earn your support. You can find our campaign on patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. Thanks, guys.